listeners love Adam Crowley. Just between you and me, I believe you're fat, ugly, dumb, and gutless. Just personal opinion. The Adam Crowley Show. When you're done with your program, we can discuss this out in the parking lot. I mean, you're, you're a tough guy. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Just when you think everything's hunky-dory in Steelers land, some bad breaking news comes out. Mark Caboli of The Athletic says that Artie Burns hurt his knee in practice, non-contact injury. Ian Rappaport then quote-tweeted that tweet and said he's hearing that there is no ligament damage. Here's the deal. If Artie Burns can't go, it's going to be the Cam Sutton show. I believe in Cam Sutton. He's got some pedigree. He hasn't made any mistakes. I think he'll be fine. Steelers can still win on Sunday, and they could still beat the New England Patriots without him. Consider this. The Steelers didn't have Joe Hayden the first time around against New England, and in my personal record book, in Stu Gatz's personal record book, they beat the Patriots. You found the Crowley Show. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Your mom's listening. You should, too. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Do you want to talk about the Pirates at all? Because Garrett Cole got traded today, and then he didn't get traded today, and then maybe he's going to get traded today, and his girlfriend or wife or concubine of some sort is tweeting out gifs of roller coasters going up and down. I don't really feel like talking about the Pirates, but I will. I will if you're interested. Steelers and Jags on Sunday at 105. It's a playoff game. Do you you care? Do you actually care? Uh, Maybe a little bit. I'll talk about it for a minute here. I'll get it out of the way in the first segment, and then I won't talk about it the rest of the show. How's that for a deal? Because I already put up a Twitter poll. Are you interested in talking about the Pirates right now? And 75% of the people coming back are saying no. Maybe it's me. Maybe they don't want this Indians fan, the leader of the Pirates mutiny, arg to be talking about the Buckos. But perhaps it's just the time of the year where you don't want to talk Pirates at all. Here's what we know so far. Nothing. John Paul Morosi. Everyone throws his middle name in there. Don't know why. John Paul Morosi tweeted out earlier in the day that a trade was imminent between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Houston Astros circled around Garrett Cole. Then pretty much the entire national media followed suit. Why? Because they saw him report it, and he's usually pretty credible. Then we had Jeff Passant of Yahoo tweet out, I've heard that there's nothing close. They have been in discussions, yada, yada, yada. This is exactly what I was talking about yesterday. If you listen to the show frequently, you know I'm honest. You know that I don't only talk about sports. You know that I also talk about sports media in general. We're smart people here on the Crowley Show. We talk about a lot of different things. Yesterday on the show, I said, sports journalism is all out of whack. Because sports journalists take themselves as seriously as regular journalists take themselves. And I think there are levels of degree of journalist. Jean-Paul Morosi tweeting out that Garrett Cole could get traded. It doesn't have far-reaching implications. I'm sure that the wife or girlfriend or concubine of Garrett Cole is a little bit upset that this all went down. Because she's thinking, maybe I'm moving to Houston. Eh, no, I'm not. Garrett Cole's thinking, maybe I'm moving to Houston. Okay, maybe not. Maybe we'll be a Yankee. Uh, maybe not. But it's not the same as reporting that there are, let's say, weapons of mass destruction in a foreign country. 
So a lot of people are crushing John Morosi today, and a lot of people are crushing the sports media in general, these journalists, they call themselves. I get it, but is it really that big of a deal? I don't think so. But it got me to thinking, if the Pirates were to move Garrett Cole, what's that mean? Well, to me, the Pirates are infuriating. That's why I'm no longer a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Coming into the offseason, it didn't seem like they had a plan, which is so freaking frustrating. Would they try to contend in 2018, or would they blow it up? Huntington himself did not seem to know when he spoke at the winter meetings. I was tired of the Pirates not having any direction with Neil Huntington. Are they trying to contend, or are they not? Because signing Cervelli and Nova indicates that they were trying to win. Moving Neil Walker, trying to save money. Paying for Zheng Ho Gong, extending David Freeze, trying to win, trading Liriano for financial flexibility, well, that's self-explanatory. It's too much one step forward, one step back with these Pittsburgh Pirates. If they do trade Garrett Cole, that's a step back from contention, but it also might be a couple of steps forward to contention in the right direction for once. If it leads to the Pirates trading McCutcheon, Josh Harrison, and others, then it actually speaks to a general manager that has an idea of what direction to go in. So I'm okay with them picking a lane. You ever drive behind somebody who's cutting in and out of the lanes, and every time you switch a lane, they switch a lane too, and it gets really frustrating. Pick a lane, stay in it. If you're going to be in the left lane, drive really fast. If you're in the right lane, eh, do whatever you want. Pick a lane. Pick a direction. The Pirates do now have a direction if they're going to move Garrett Cole. Now, it might not be my first choice. My first choice would have been to spend some money and add to a core that could have contended in 2018. That's taking a stand. But I'm okay with them taking a stand, even if it's the one that I wouldn't agree with. With Garrett Cole, with Jamison Tyone, with Ivan Nova, with Chad Cool, and a free agent arm, I think the Pirates could have had a rotation that could have contended. Plus, you got a full year of McCutcheon, you got Marte, you got Polanco, Josh Bell promising at first base. The Pirates lineup should have been better in 2018. And the bullpen is anchored by one of the best relievers in the game, but Huntington's hands were tied, and boom, this is what they're going to do. They're going to move Cole. And that's finally a direction. Finally, they're saying we're going to sell. Because if you get rid of Cole, you're getting rid of everyone else. He's the biggest trade piece because he's not expensive for the next couple of years. If you're willing to move him, you're definitely willing to move McCutcheon. You're definitely willing to move Josh Harrison. And for me, I'm getting rid of Felipe Rivero. I'm moving everyone. Start this thing from scratch. 412-922-2874. It's the cheap direction. So I don't love that, but on one hand, I am happy that they're moving on. 412-922-2874. It is sad to me, though. It is. Because Garrett Cole represented something for me. He was the first pick back in 2011. He could throw 100 miles an hour. He showed that the Pirates could have a future. He showed that the Pirates could have an ace. I grew up watching... Pirates baseball all the time. I had season tickets. I used to go to 60 games a year with my buddy Nick. My dad would drop me off with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. We'd sit there and we'd watch a bad baseball team. First year was when they had the All-Star game. 
and I'm looking up during the game, and you see the records of all the teams in the National League, and the Pirates were 30-60. and 60. Yeah, we went to 60 a.m. games that year. I grew up watching a lot of crap. We all saw a lot of crap. Kip Wells was a frontline starter on this team. God love Kip Wells. God love him hitting home runs off the batter's eye. But Kip Wells, an ace, he was not. Josh Fogg, same dude. Soft tosser, not a great pitcher, but he was pretty good for a year or two and won double-digit games. That was what we shot for back then. That was what was successful back then. Double-digit wins from a starting pitcher. Although I did see Josh Fogg outdoor Randy Johnson won nothing once at PNC Park. Jimmy Anderson, Chris Benson, Ian Snell, Paul Mahalem, Zach Duke. These were the frontline starters of my childhood. These were the frontline starters that I watched growing up. Those aren't frontline starters. Oliver Perez for a year was, but it was for a year. They had some moments. They had some hitters, too. Jason Bay won the Rookie of the Year. Jack Wilson made an all-star team one year. I love Jack Wilson. But when Jack Wilson's your best player, you're not very good. Garrett Cole, to me, represented a change. Because you watch other teams around Major League Baseball and you say, wow, their number one guy, he's got great stuff. Their number one guy, he throws 100 miles an hour. Their number one guy, he puts the ball behind home plate bounces it in the dirt, and people are swinging because they don't have a choice. And I thought Garrett Cole could be that guy. Maybe he didn't live up to the expectations. Maybe the expectations that we set were too lofty for him. But it's a sad day when Garrett Cole gets moved because, to me, he represented a guy who could come in here and be a legitimate ace. He had the ace arm. He had the ace makeup. Nobody else that I watched in my childhood had either of those things. Hell, his rookie season, he beat the Cardinals in the playoffs after the team got drubbed the first time in Game 1. He did wind up losing Game 5, but hey, he's a rookie. When the Cubs beat the Pirates with Arietta, Cole was a top-five vote-getter in the National League for the Cy Young. He wasn't perfect, but he represented something Pirates fans hadn't seen in years. For me, him getting moved out, if it were to happen, and it sounds like it is, it's going to end that era of hope to me. For 27 years, I've been on this earth. Three of them, the Pirates, made the playoffs. Two of those times, they lost in the first game and were subsequently eliminated. The sad thing is, Pirates fans, you now know that you're going to have to wait however many more years for your next opportunity to see a playoff win. And that hurts, doesn't it? 412-922-2874. A rebuild might not be the worst decision. It's one of two ways they could have gone. But a rebuild does mean having to be patient. A rebuild does mean, in the back of your mind, thinking, oh my God, I'm going to watch bad baseball for the next three years. At least. McCutcheon's not going to be around. Josh Harrison's not going to be around. Garrett Cole's not going to be around. It's going to be tough to go to the ballpark. 
Have fun with your friends. Maybe your dad will drop you off with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but you're starting over from square one. And that, to me, is sad. And what it all boils down to is management not doing enough in the years that they had an opportunity. And now they're in a position where we could contend, but we don't feel like spending the money to contend. Because I think the core is still there that they could give it another shot. I think it's still there, but they're cheap. So they take this avenue, and now it's going to be three years, I think, at the very least, until baseball matters again in this town. And it bums me out. Will Clint Hurdle be here the next time the Pirates have a winning season? Will I have kids the next time the Pirates have a winning season? So much happens in three years. Will I be alive? God only knows I treat my body like a dumpster. Three years from now is what you're looking at. And even then, you still have to compete with the Cardinals, who are always good, and the Cubs, who have the ability to go out and spend money. I'm not saying the Pirates are mired in another multiple-decade string of losing here, but you're going to have to wait until the next time that they contend. And as much fun as opening day has been these last five or six years, opening day this year might be the high point for this Pittsburgh Pirates team. And that, to me, is sad. It doesn't mean that they're not doing the right thing by rebuilding. Again, one or two ways to go here. But it's sad. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. 83% of you say you don't want to talk about the Pirates. I'm not supposed to let the listener dictate that much, but I will stop. Coming up next, Eric Edholm. He's from Pro Football Weekly. What's going on with the divisional round games this weekend? And what are his thoughts on Steelers-Jags? You're listening to The Crowley Show. Covering the Penguins on and off the ice. Your home of the Pens, ESPN Pittsburgh. Joe and I, during the break, we're discussing the Pirates. And it's just so depressing. I don't think it's quite being a Browns fan, but it is depressing. And there's also a Flowers for Algernon thing there, right? I bring this up all the time, but the Browns, if you're my age, you'd have never seen the Browns be good. Not whenever you're cognizant of it. At no point would you have thought, okay, this team's winning a championship. The Pirates, they gave you three years to dangle it and let you know just how good baseball can be in this town and how fun it is when you've got something worthwhile to watch for an entire summer so that does suck and in flowers for Algernon it's a man who's mentally disabled who then takes a pill who becomes super smart and because he becomes smart he now knows what it's like to have been disabled but when he was disabled he had no idea what it was like to be on the other side 
That's like Pirates fans. Pirates fans now know what it's like to be good. We got the taste. Got the sample. But you didn't get to eat that delicious piece of chicken in the mall. So frustrating. That's why I'm an Indians fan now. I'm done with them. But we turn the page because the Steelers, they've certainly let you down at times, but they're one of the better franchises in the National Football League. Joining us to discuss, Eric Edholm from Pro Football Weekly. Eric, thanks a lot for coming on, man. Yeah, everything's good here. What's happening there? You guys gearing up for uh, for the big game, I assume? I think so, and I am going to talk to a Jags beat writer later on in the show and I just ruined I ruined it because I, I forgot that I taped it but we taped an interview with the Jags beat writer and we're going to play later in the show and he joked that it, maybe it'll actually be warm in Pittsburgh because on Thursday it's going to be but Sunday actually no not so much are you traveling are you going to a game this weekend yeah no I had to change my plans last minute I was all set to go up to Minnesota for that game and uh uh, I forgot, you know, we have young kids and there was a bit of a scheduling error as far as keeping, you know, they're not even three years old yet, I swing, so <laughs> they're, they're not self-sufficient yet at this point, unfortunately. Yeah, so if you leave, they're not going to be able to take care of themselves. Uh, you know, they could maybe like pour a milk or like close the door or something, that's about it. More than me sometimes. Eric Edholm <laughs> joining me here, Pro Football Weekly. Uh, Eric, if you had to give the top four teams that are still left in the field, who would you have? It's a good question. I think, you know, it's funny, all season long we've kind of said, oh, you know, the AFC is the weaker side of the equation, the NFC is still loaded. You know, I have, I have a lot of respect for what the Eagles have done this season. I don't think they'll roll over. I don't know that I can put them in my top four. And even though, you know, and obviously a lot of people are picking the Falcons this weekend, <clears throat> excuse me, against them, I don't know. I, I, I'm not – I think that'll be – the Eagles will come out and play well. I don't know that the Falcons can just roll in there and get a win. So <clears throat> I think it's probably going to come from the other game. I think you would say that the, the Saints and the Vikings are very dangerous, each of them, and that the winner of that game's got a great chance to go to the Super Bowl. And on the other side, I, I still think that the Patriots and Steelers are, are probably factoring into that top four, too. I, I just, you know, I realize that the most that I could get out of this weekend would be three out of four, but I truly believe that the winner of that, that Saints-Vikings game could have a, a great chance to get all the way to Minnesota. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I definitely am a big believer in the Vikings. Their defense is just so darn good. And, hey, so is Jacksonville, but at least in Minnesota, they've proven that they can do some things on the offensive side. Jacksonville, they had a nice string where they played three games, and Blake Bortles played well for those three games. And then these last three, the final two of the regular season, he throws five picks. This last game against the Buffalo Bills, he looked incredibly inept. You think that carries over into Pittsburgh? Yeah, it was it was such a weird game because obviously early on, you know, they're throwing screens and high percentage passes, and it was like he was just trying to fluff them in there, and he was overthrowing them, or he was, you know, he was misfiring, and you know, those are the throws you got to make at about a ninety percent clip, and he was he was at about a twenty percent clip on some of those. So I appreciate the fact the Jaguars kind of opened it up a little in the second half. He did thread some passes in there. You know, look, he's working with, you know. Westbrook, who's only been there for you know half the season, healthy. You know, Keelan Cole, undrafted free agent, or yeah, undrafted rookie. 
you know, they've just gotten their other guys back, Hearns and Lee, and so, you know, I understand it's not all on him. And, and Bortles did get some stuff going with his legs. I mean, he ran for 88. That was, that was a huge part of the win there. But you're right. I mean, there's a lot to be concerned about. And everybody kind of assumes it's sort of between his ears a little bit that he can, you know, if he struggles early in a game, and they clearly were trying to get him going with the high percentage stuff, he can go in the tank. But he didn't turn the ball over. And he did some positive things despite what looked like a pretty ugly statistical effort. Eric at home, Pro Football Weekly, joining me here on the Crowley Show. The Jags have been a good rushing team this year, although the last three games, again, they haven't been running at the same clip. I don't think it's coincidence. The quarterback's not playing well. Running game's not playing well. Those things are obviously tied. But the defense is obviously outstanding, Eric. When you look at Jacksonville's defense, do you like them as much as maybe you would have liked Denver's from a couple of years ago? Are they in that stratosphere? You know, statistically, you, you put them up against the 2013 Seahawks, the 2015 Broncos. I mean, they're right there with a lot of the numbers, especially against the pass. I mean, they, they rush the passer, and they can shut down your outside passing game, too. I mean, they, you know, just the, those two corners, A.J. Boye coming over from Houston, Jalen Ramsey in his second season really kind of blossoming. I mean, if you told me he was the best corner in the league, I don't know that I would have a great argument against it. But I don't know how far behind Boye would be. I mean, I don't think it's that far. Some have said he's actually even played better than Ramsey this year. So pretty incredible. Aaron Colvin had a pick in the game last week. He mans the slot. The safeties, I think, can be manipulated a little. I mean, that's maybe a weakness there, um, which maybe offers, okay, that maybe there's a deep shot to Martavis. You know, maybe Brown can work the middle. Maybe there's some, some room there for the Steelers to operate. But, you know, with that front they have, it's just so impressive what they've done. I'll be curious to see if Paul Pozlesny can play because when he was out of that game, that you know, LaShawn McCoy was able to get loose a few times. Pittsburgh has been very focused on New England. Mike Mitchell just said in Sports Illustrated, "We'll play him in hell. We'll play him in Haiti. We'll play him anywhere. We're going to beat the Patriots." Well, <laughs> hey, you got to beat Jacksonville first. What's your perception of? Pittsburgh, and what do you think the national perception is of Pittsburgh and sort of their obsession with the New England Patriots? Yeah, this, you know, it's funny. Like, you know, I talked to a guy in New England, a friend of mine who's a Patriots season ticket holder, and, you know, he said, he's like, are, are the Steelers obsessed with the Patriots as much as I think they are? Obviously, it's spent like, you know, a week dissecting the James Harrison betrayal and all that. And obviously, after the loss, there are a lot of, you know, hard feelings. I get that. I understand. So, you know, I don't. I wonder if it's as much in the locker room as it is out. Maybe, but obviously, those guys have some strong feelings against New England. And you know, if you could channel it and focus, and, and most teams who play them can't. I mean, let's face it. You know, you've got Kevin Bayard, a rookie safety for the Titans, talking about how he's going to make Brady look like Bortles. I don't necessarily recommend that that approach, <laughs> right? Okay, but with the with the Steelers, you kind of say. Look, they've been through some battles. They've seen this team now twice in the last you know year. I mean, they, they know New England. I mean, if they want to keep going with this and they sort of thrive amid the drama, I'm okay with it. With a team like the Titans, maybe not so much. I don't know. It's, it's obviously fun. It adds a great little layer to uh, you know to the rivalry. Oh my God, the Steelers have been the easiest show to wrap a radio show around, <laughs> or the easiest team to wrap a radio show around all season long. I mean, my God, it's something every week. Uh, as yes. for as for Jacksonville, 
How do you think they take that? How do you think they take the fact that Roethlisberger says, I want to play them again? How do you think they take the fact that Mike Mitchell's already talking about New England? Yeah, you know, it's funny, too. They've got some, I mean, like Ramsey is, is such a bulldog, and, and he's an unbelievably confident young player. And they've got other guys, too. Then they have the more business-like guys like Calais Campbell. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cool mix that they have there where they've got this young, brash confidence, but they've also got a few, you know, guys that they brought in through free agency, Barry Church and, and Calais Campbell and Malik Jackson, who are, you know, maybe going to sort of tamp those guys down a little bit and say, Let, let's not put too much out there. Let's not give them all that bulletin board material. We still have to prove ourselves. We haven't been here in a decade. We haven't done, you know, no nobody in this room collectively has done anything together. So, you know, it, I, I think they're a, a really confident bunch, um, and they've had, you know, some strange ups, ups and downs this year. They've had a lot of weird games, but they found ways to win them. And, you know, you've got to credit Doug Marone for what he's done there, and, you know, he's, he hasn't pushed all the right buttons, but he's pushed more right ones than wrong ones this season. Eric Edholm, Pro Football Weekly, joining me here on the Crowley Show. When you look at the Titans, this is the cliche question, but I've been asking everyone this week because I'm fascinated by the response. What percentage chance do you think they have to go into New England and win that game? Um, I would say about 10 or 15. I don't think it's high. Um, I don't think it's zero, though. I mean, I, I would be foolish to say that because, you know, right now, to me, New England's biggest weakness is probably going to be stopping a power run game. And guess what? Derrick Henry lately, you saw what he did against the Chiefs. I mean, he had about 150 yards or whatever, and I think 85 of them were after contact. And, and, you know, they've got a good O-line. They can bully people up front. You know, I know Allen Branch is back for the Patriots, but they've been thin up front all year. I mean, they just haven't had, A, the number of bodies, or B, the bulk up front. Now, getting Harrison, obviously, is you know, he's a bigger guy on the edge. That might help a little. And, who? You know, if Branch could, yeah, yeah, who, right? 92, yeah. Uh, you know, so maybe they have a little better reinforcement up front than they've had, but that's, that's a weakness for them. So you can't discount the fact that if they play turnover-free ball, if they run the heck out of the football and just maul them up front, and then just make a few opportunistic plays on defense. They've got a shot, but I just don't think it's a it's a big one. I just don't. I don't know that. I think last week was more about the Chiefs blowing that game than it was about the Titans winning it. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, back to New England because that's what we do around here. We obsess over New England. <laughs> Whether or not you think the Steelers are going to win, that's not the question I'm going to ask. Who do you think's better, Pittsburgh or New England? I mean, I think if you if you go back and watch that game and. It felt like Pittsburgh dominated for most of it. I mean, I felt like they were the better team in that in that head-to-head matchup. But that's not the question you asked. I don't know. I mean, in like for instance, is the first Jacksonville matchup? Do we say, well, they're going to come in and win by three touchdowns again? No, fluky. There were two defensive touchdowns. There was a, a crazy. What was it? A ninety-yard run by Fournette. I mean, I don't expect any of that to happen again. So the same thing to a lesser degree, I think, applies if they met again in Foxborough. It could be. You know, closer to what we saw last January, which was, you know, surprising to me. I thought the Steelers would come in a little more, you know, a little more grit, a little playing a little bit more uh, solidly than they did early on in that game. So it's hard to know. And, and I, you know, the offense has been great since about week 11. I mean, they've been just putting up points like crazy. But 
you know, there have been a few times in, in this year and last where Ben hasn't been himself. He's always capable of having one of those games where he just doesn't look like he, uh, like he has it that night. Yeah, and as you mentioned, one of those games was against the Jacksonville Jags earlier on in the season. Uh, Last couple of things for Eric Edholm. Uh, You think Philly's going to give Atlanta uh, a good run there? I tend to agree with that. I don't think Atlanta's going to go in there and blow them out by any stretch. Uh, Philly's going to be frothing. I mean, we know how that place can be. Uh, It's a good environment. The defense is really good in Philadelphia. But all that being said, are you thinking it's Atlanta? And For me, I got Atlanta, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and New England. Yeah, I mean, I... I've gone back and forth. I try not to look at the lines too much, but I can't help but look at, you know, the, the Falcons open as a favorite, and then the, the line has actually gone up, uh, I think, to, to a field goal. So, I mean, it's, it's just surprising how much respect the Falcons have gotten, considering that, you know, they haven't been the sturdiest team, and Matt Ryan hasn't been the MVP all year. You know, he hasn't been the same form he was a year ago. I know the defense has played well. And, yeah, Nick Foles, right, elephant in the room, I don't – I haven't seen a lot that makes me think he's going to be great. But some tells me the Eagles will make some plays defensively. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a really close game, and, and they'll have a shot. Now, maybe they don't win, like you said. I'll I'll kind of go with you and say that the Falcons squeak by in that one. And I, I, I think the Vikings can beat the Saints. The Saints got a little lucky last week. They played well, but they also got a little lucky. And if the what Vikings the hell was Devin Funches doing? Oh, on the on the the, the, on the final the heave, yeah. What the heck was that? I don't know. It was weird. It was it was strange because he he like separated and then kind of just sort of half heartedly lunged, stuck his hands out. I, that was that was odd. But yeah, there were a lot of plays out there that the Saints may have gotten a little lucky on. But they're they're good. I just I don't I don't know that they're the dominant team I thought they were maybe a month ago. Eric, really appreciate the time, man. Thank you for making that time and enjoy this weekend. Perfect. You too as well. Enjoy the game. Thanks, buddy. There he goes. Eric Edholm. Check him out. Pro Football Weekly. I think he does a really good job. And he's one of the few people who always agrees to come on the show. I don't know what that's about. I mean, why would you want to come on this show as frequently as he does? Maybe it's because my ratings are up 300% and I'm a tremendous human being. Just just spitballing. I mean, hypothesizing. By the way, I didn't tell this to Edholm, but I've got the Steelers at 14-2 and two right now. Everyone's got them at 13-3. and three. I don't know. i got them at 14-2. and two. Up next... Let's put this simply. Ben can't afford to lose to Bortles. It's a Crowley show. Ian Pittsburgh. Got a really good interview coming up that may or may not be pre-recorded with Mike DiRocco at 5.20. 38 minutes right here on the Crowley show. He's from ESPN. NFL Nation covers the Jacksonville Jags. Do not miss that. A lot of weird stuff going on today. Garrett Cole was traded, then not traded. And then he might be traded again. His wife, girlfriend, concubine, whatever. She's all confused, and she's bitching via GIF. Look, it's sad if Cole leaves, because for me, it ends in era. Not that he was special. He was good. But it is symbolic of the Pirates my entire life never having a guy like that. Then they draft a guy who can throw 100 miles an hour, and you think maybe things change. Then for three years, they do. But now trading Garrett Cole, if they do, and it seems like they're going to, that will, I believe, 
spark a rebuild, which means you're going to have to wait three years, at least for the Pirates to be good again. Bummer. Also, Phil Kessel, not named to the NHL All-Star team. You know who was? Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang. I know him. Crosby's played like ass compared to previous Crosby. Chris Letang's played like ass compared to human living defensemen. And both of them are in the All-Star game and not Phil Kessel. Which brings me back to my argument from yesterday. My hottest take of the day to end the show. It's something we're going to do moving forward. Final segment, 640. Every day I will tell you my hottest take of the day. And my hot take from yesterday was, in college football, the privileged get everything. And it's the same way in life. Well, Phil Kessel's Phil Kessel. And he's fat, and he's quirky, and he's weird. So that guy has had a great season, one of the best wings in all of hockey, the best player on the Penguins all season long. He didn't get in. Why? Because Crosby's golden ass and Chris Letang's golden smile. They've been great before. They're privileged. Guess who gets in? Them, not the fat, quirky, weird guy. UCF, they're the fat, quirky, weird guy. We can't let them sit at our table. Privilege! 412-922-2874. I put up a poll on the Crowley Show Twitter account, at underscore Adam Crowley. I said, you interested in talking about the Pirates right now? Because that's all they're doing on that station across the street, despite the Steelers playing a playoff game on Sunday. And as I expected, 86% of you said no. You don't care about the Pirates right now. Maybe you don't care at all, and that would be great. Because I'm certain a Pirates mutiny, baby. Arr! I'm not supposed to let the audience dictate what we're going to do on the show. That's what they do across the street. Callers calling. What do you want to talk about? It's a free phone Friday or whatever the bleep they call it. I don't think that's it. I, though, when preparing the show today, wanted to talk pirates until I got here. And it wasn't because I put the Twitter poll up. It was because it's January 10th. And Joe and I calculated this with our tremendous math skills during the first break. Since the Pirates had their losing streak, thereabouts, the Penguins have gone to six championships and won five, and the Steelers have gone to four and won two. You want to earn respect in this town? Win. You want people to talk about you in this town? Win. Pirates haven't. That's why 86% of you don't want me talking about it. If the Steelers are to win another championship, if they're to be the team that's talked about because they do win, it's pretty simple to me. And we always need to get wrapped up in the X's and O's, and there's detailed questions. And again, I'll ask detailed questions coming up at 520 of Mike DiRocco from ESPN's NFL Nation. But sometimes things are pretty simple to me. You ask a girl out, she says no. Eh. I'm not going to keep trying. I got the message. I don't want you if you don't want me. Okay? Pretty simple to me. Adam, wear a seatbelt. If you don't and you hit a rock, you're going to fly through the windshield. Pretty simple to me. Now, you can go through all the advanced metrics and look on cars.com or what have you for the safest car and who's got the powertrain, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is you wear a seatbelt. You're not going to fly through the windshield. Pretty simple to me. You drive safe, you're going to be okay. Pretty simple to me. 
You play the lottery, you're not going to win. You're going to spend a lot of money. You're going to wind up in debt. Pretty simple to me. This football game, you can make it about the Steelers' offense. You can make it about the Jaguars' defense. You can talk about who's going to cover Antonio Brown. You can talk about the safeties. You can talk about the trash talk. You can talk about all that stuff. But here's how it's simple to me. Ben can't lose to Bortles. Period. Simple. We can dress it up. We can make it about other stuff. But it's simple to me. Ben Roethlisberger cannot lose to the guy who this year got pooped on by four defensive players publicly. Now, I've talked to people, and Mike Pursuta being one of those people who says, look, he doesn't play that way every single game, Blake Bortles. He doesn't play like he played this last week every single game. He's had some good games. He's played well. But how many quarterbacks across the National Football League who are supposedly nice guys on and off the field get pooped on like Bortles? Vontez Perfect, not a great guy, was very critical of Bortles. Earl Thomas, very critical of Bortles. Michael Bennett, very critical of Bortles. And Jadavion Clowney said, quote, he's trash. It's simple. It's wearing your seatbelt. It's not buying lottery tickets. Ben Roethlisberger needs to beat the guy who's trash. Bortles threw five interceptions the last two weeks of the regular season. It's not like it's an anomaly when he plays poorly. He sucks. Five interceptions the last two games. 87 passing yards this last time out against Buffalo. Yeah, sure, he ran. God bless him. He tries hard, but he sucks. And... It's not only about the level of play. It's also about experience. Now, I told you last Friday, I'm not a big believer in team experience. I'm not the kind of guy who's going to say, "Ah, they're not going to win because they don't have a chance because they've never been there before. I don't believe in that. At some point, you arrive, right? And when you do, they say, oh, I can't believe they've arrived. It happens every year. Someone gets to a... Uh, some team gets to a stratosphere that you didn't believe they were going to get to, and all of a sudden they've arrived. So it can happen. But I think it's a little bit different at the quarterback position. Figure it out. Think about it. Ben Roethlisberger, first playoff game he ever played after going 14-0 and as a starter in the regular season. 181 yards and interception. Bad. Why? first playoff game, and it was at home, and it was against a 10-6 and Jets team they had already seen this year. You don't think experience matters? The second game Ben Roethlisberger played in his playoff career, awful, against New England Patriots. 14-24, three interceptions in that game. Bortles, last week, inexperienced, never had to deal with the pressure, 12-23, for 87 yards. Ben lost during his rookie year to who? Tom Brady. Brady, experience. As much as this game comes down to a lot of different things, Ben can't lose to Bortles. He can't. Now, you can throw in my face, well, Brady won. And when he won, not experienced. Okay, he's the anomaly. He's the greatest of all time. Of course, he got it done. Joe Flacco had a great rookie year. What happened to him? He came into Pittsburgh. Mark Sanchez, really decent year for the Jets. AFC Championship game. Ben Roethlisberger, rookie season. 
This isn't Bortles' rookie year, but it's his rookie year in the playoffs. He never been there before, in large part because he sucked in the regular season. But I like keeping things simple. We've gotten into the X's and O's. We will continue to do so. But simply put, Ben Roethlisberger can't get Tebowed again. I remember that, right? 2011. It's a black mark on Ben Roethlisberger's career. And really, the Steelers organization, Mike Tomlin, it took a while for people to get over that. They had to win a playoff game for people to say, okay, we don't need to talk about that anymore. You can have one of those. Like Tom Brady lost to Jake Plummer, and then every other quarterback he lost to has won a Super Bowl. Like Joe Flacco is no good, but Joe Flacco was really good that postseason. You can't lose to bad quarterbacks in the playoffs. Brady had Jake Plummer. Brady lost to Plummer. That's about as bad as you can get. You can't lose to Blake Bortles. And it would come down to Ben. Because Ben's the reason they lost to Blake Bortles the first time. Blake Bortles ain't the reason. Blake Bortles did everything he could to lose that game. He threw an interception. Blake Bortles had 95 yards passing the first time these teams played. Ben Roethlisberger put his team in a position to lose that game. If Ben Roethlisberger plays within himself, if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't turn the football over, if Ben Roethlisberger plays like the quarterback he's been for the last eight weeks of the season, they're not going to lose. The only way the Steelers lose, in my opinion, is if Ben does all the bad Ben stuff. Is if Ben plays like Blake Bortles for a day. Because Blake Bortles is going to play the way he played last week. He's going to play the way he played the two weeks prior to that. Blake Bortles was scared in Jacksonville when he's at home in front of 70,000 people. How do you think he's going to play at Heinz Field when it's 20 degrees in front of all those non-insane, non-human creatures? Once my dad and I went to a Steelers game and Santa peed down his leg. That's what they're walking into here. They're walking into a, a house of horrors. And Blake Bortles, much like Ben did in his first game in the playoffs, much like Flacco did here in Pittsburgh, Braden tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. I'm surprised you haven't said Blake Bortles like you're underwater this week. Thought that's what it would be all week. I've done a new thing with Blake Bortles. Although it does sound like you're saying his name underwater. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. I've been saying every time I talk about Bortles, I say, bless his heart. He tries hard, but he sucks. That's what we've incorporated. With Brady, we'll come up with something I think a little bit more derogatory if the Steelers get there. And they will. Just so long as Roethlisberger doesn't screw the pooch. Because that's what it comes down to for me. Can't get Tebow again. Up next, Mike Mitchell's talking about the Patriots already. I can because I'm on the radio. Should he be? That's a bad sentence. Crowley Show.